Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you. I am back. Yes, I am back, Animals to the Max podcast listeners. I am so happy to be back. I know it's been a few months, and I promise I have not forgotten about you. To be completely honest with you, though, it's just been crazy trying to juggle life and trying to be a full-time creator. And I I guess I say I'm trying to. I I am a full-time creator now, and that means uploading and editing videos every single day, posting to four different platforms, including YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. There's just a bunch of stuff going on. And being a creator is taking up a bunch of my time. On top of that, I'm also taking care of 30 plus exotic animals. And so life is just crazy, but I wanted to sit down, have a conversation with you and talk to you about a recent trip I just went on. And that was to South Africa and Mozambique. And I just wanted to do a series of podcasts about the Africa trip. I promise I'm going to try not to bore you. I'm actually going to break it up in several episodes because I feel like if I just told you about the whole Africa trip, it could be a three to four hour podcast, which I'm not trying to channel my inner Joe Rogan today, but I wanted to do a podcast to help you, especially if you were on the fence possibly about going to Africa, where to go. I wanted to give you some insight on why my wife and I chose those countries in Africa. I want to give you insight on things that we did that maybe we wouldn't do knowing, you know, after going in and kind of help you along the way. I actually was trying to search for podcasts about South Africa, about Mozambique, and it honestly was a little limited on what I could find. And perhaps, I don't know if I wasn't looking in the right area. I don't know. I was on like the Apple podcast. I was trying to look up some of the reserves we went to and I found there wasn't a lot of information. So I'm hoping that this will help you if you decide to go on safari to go to Africa. I guess I just kind of want to start with why Africa? You know, I feel like everyone in their life should at some point go to Africa. There is something about it. It is so hard to put into words. I I remember the first time I went to Africa, I had just graduated college. I was, I think I was 22 years old and I went through Boise State University. I went through a program they were having and I remember that first time being in the Maasai Mara in Kenya, just feeling at home. I've never felt more at home in my life. It was the craziest feeling. I remember we were just in the Mara. We were looking at two hyenas and they were eating the remains of a hippo carcass. They were gnawing on some thick skin. This hippo had been dead for probably a couple days, so it was pretty bare bones, pun intended, but they were still trying to gnaw at the skin and the bones or whatever that was left. And I remember the hyenas were there behind us. You know, we were in the safari vehicle. Behind our safari vehicle, there was a male lion. Out in the distance, we had giraffes. Over to my left, we had elephants in the river. There were just herds of animals. And I remember thinking I had never felt at home. I wanted to quit everything. I remember thinking, man, I just want to move to Kenya. I want to become a guide. And of course that didn't happen because I have my 
30 animals here. I can't just abandon them. I have responsibilities here in the States, but it was a fun thought. But I just remember thinking something about it just made me feel at home. And I have heard other people say the same thing when they go to Africa. And some scientists think it might be innate, like something we're born with because our ancestors evolved in Africa. So you know, perhaps there's some sense of being home when you go there. I don't know if you believe in that, but I definitely felt like I was at home and I was, I just have been obsessed with Africa ever since as I record this podcast episode in my little podcast studio, which is just a closet in our spare room. I'm looking straight ahead at a beautiful male leopard sleeping in the tree in the Serengeti that my friend Amy had sent me because I had never seen a leopard in the wild. And I just remember just just always being obsessed with Africa after that trip. I had made it back to Kenya that year to see the Great Migration back in 2012. And, you know, once again, obsessed, loved it, and then life happened. And, you know, after that trip, just the years went by. And, I, you know, Africa was something I always wanted to return to, but I didn't know when. And especially, you know, fast forward to, you know, 2019, 2020 with the pandemic, I can't even tell you, like, I didn't even think we would be able to go back to Africa for years. Like the world was on halt. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, like, this is so sad. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to go back to Africa. Luckily, that was not the case. And in early 2022, my wife and I entertained the idea of Africa. Now, let me just say, living here in the States when I was growing up, I just remember thinking Africa was so unattainable. Like it's so far-fetched. Like, oh yeah, you know, like this kid from Idaho, like how am I going to make it all the way over to Africa? It seems like such a big, expensive trip. It seems like something that maybe could never happen. And I feel like a lot of people around the world might have that idea. Like, I don't know if you're listening you know, an African safari, it might seem pretty far-fetched, but I'm here to tell you that you can make it happen and you can make it happen on any budget, whether you are wanting to go all out, spend your savings and go the luxury route and stay in a beautiful luxury lodge, or you can find, you know, less expensive options where you're in a tent, but you're still able to see the same amazing animals. So I'm here to tell you, depending on what type of trip you want, and you can decide, you know, budget wise, you can go to Africa and I cannot urge you enough to go to Africa. What happened is in early 2022, my wife was kind of getting the, you know, I think it was like, I don't know, January, February, it was cold here in Idaho. And she was getting that travel bug of wanting to go somewhere warm. And she was wanting to go back to Cancun, Mexico. And like, no offense to Cancun. I love Cancun. I've been there, but I don't know, like we've done it. We've done the whole Cancun on the beach. I've been there a few times. Like, yes, it's fun. Yes, we had fun snorkeling. It's great. But I don't know. Like, I was, I kind of convinced her, like, hey, if we're going to spend the money to go to Cancun and stay at a fancy resort, why don't we go to Africa? And her first thing to me, she said, I, nope, I don't want to go. I don't want to stay in a tent. You told me about the bucket showers. Like, I'm good. I'm also afraid it's dangerous. Like, she was like, I'm good. And I said, honey, not every place in Africa has a bucket shower, which 
I just want to say something. There is nothing wrong with the bucket shower. I uh, stayed at a place that had great accommodations, great tents, lovely accommodations, and staff was friendly. And yes, we had a bucket shower, but it was such a memorable shower. And it was, it was great. Like we were in the African bush. We were in the middle of the Maasai Mara. Like I loved it. I get it though. People listening might not want a bucket shower. I know like my mom wouldn't want to go have a bucket shower like i get it people have different expectations so her first thing was like no i don't want to stay in a tent i don't want to have a bucket shower i'm really nervous about traveling there i don't think it's safe and these are all things i think that people think about when they want to go on a trip to africa and i assured her and said honey why don't we go to a place we'll find a country let's go to a place that you know has a bunch of luxury lodges let's go to a place where there's tons of animals and I also pitched her the idea of doing safari and then a beach vacation. So she's not going to listen to this podcast. So I can just tell you that's how I convinced her to go to Africa because I put the beach vacation on the end of safari. And she said, okay, okay. She said, okay, we'll go to Africa. I don't want to stay in a tent and I really want to do a beach vacation. This safari is mainly going to be for you. I get it. I love animals too, but I really like the beach. I want relaxation. And by the way, I hope I'm not making my wife sound out to be this like spoiled brat. Like she's not, but her and I both work hard. We also have a separate business. We own Snake River Wine Tours here in, um, here in Idaho. And so we are busy. We have, you know, like five staff members. We have four vehicles. Like, like anyway, it's crazy managing another business on top of the content creation. So I just want to put the preference there. Like my wife is not a spoiled brat. She just like wanted to go somewhere for a vacation. She wanted to be in the sun and there is nothing wrong with treating yourself, treat yourself. So that's how I convinced her. I said, you know what? Let's do a safari and a beach. Turns out a lot of people do a safari and a beach vacation. And when I started looking at places, the perfect packages all led me to South Africa. South Africa has always been on my list of places to go. Although being completely honest, I have like, I had like a special I don't know, place in my heart for East Africa. And I just, I don't know. Like I just, I love the Maasai Mara. I'm kind of a creature of habit, <laughs> pun intended, right? Creatures. I literally was like, oh man, I would love to do this. But you know what? I said, you know what? I'm going to be open. I'm going to be open to some places in South Africa. And then we did a little more digging and found out that, hey, why don't we go to South Africa to some of the game reserves and then why don't we head up to Mozambique, a country right next to South Africa, and we'll go to the Indian Ocean. It sounded like a perfect plan. The flight from South Africa to Mozambique from like the Kruger um, International Airport was only like, I don't know, was it like an hour? I think it was like an hour flight. It was close. It seemed safe. So it was great. We had found our place we wanted to go or our places, I should say. We decided to do safari for the first part of the trip and then end our trip with a beach vacation in Mozambique and we would fly into Vilanculos. And this was after doing much research, by the way. We found a lot of great information um, on Instagram. I want to say, though, it's really overwhelming planning your own safari and um, there's so much stuff out there it's almost like too much and when you think of south africa you think of safari you think of the kruger national park like that is the famous national park that is the place that 
people go to. But then when you do more research, you find out that the Kruger area, like the greater Kruger National Park is what they call it, is also home to some fantastic private game reserves. And these private game reserves are basically less crowded. You're going to see the same types of animals, sometimes even more animals. You are going to have more of an intimate experience with the sighting. So for instance, at these private game reserves, it is really, really controlled to where they only allow two to three vehicles max per sighting. Whereas if you're in the Kruger National Park, if you see lions on the road, you could have 20, 30, 40, 50 vehicles trying to nudge their way to see a sighting. It's basically public. But here on the game reserves, it's more private. And so we really wanted to decide where we were going to go because once again, information is overwhelming there. The Kruger National Park is huge. There are so many game reserves. We decided that we did not want to do the whole thing where you rent a vehicle and go through Kruger National Park. We wanted to do something a little more private. And, you know, this was like my wife's first safari. I really wanted to impress her. Even though I had never been to South Africa, I really wanted to set us up for success. So I decided to look into lodges and camps that we could stay outside of Kruger National Park. Now, as I stated, the Greater Kruger National Park, it's like they, they refer to that area as the Greater Kruger National Park. So you are going to have the same animals. The animals in a lot of these reserves can move freely between the Kruger National Park and between the game reserve. So you're gonna see the same animals. They're right next to each other. And and a few of the reserves, like we had literally, like if you just crossed an imaginary line, we would have been in Kruger National Park. So technically we didn't go to Kruger National Park, but we always say, or you can tell people that we visited the greater Kruger National Park. We decided to stay in three game reserves. I know that seems kind of like a lot, but we wanted to just go to different reserves. We wanted to see different terrains. We wanted to check out different lodges. So that was our goal. And also as a content creator, like I wanted to feature a bunch of stuff and feature new places and, uh, you know, kind of see where my audience would want to stay and kind of show them the different options. But some people just go and they'll pick one lodge and, you know, stay a week or even up to two weeks. Like that's up to you we decided to do three places. So the game reserves we went to were Clissary private game reserve. We stayed at Camp George in Clissary. We then headed to the Manuletti. We stayed at Tent Swallow Lodge. We then ended our safari time in South Africa at Makani, which is in the Timbavadi private game reserve. Now, please know I will go into each of these game reserves. I will go into the types of animals we saw. I'll go into some tips, some things that we learned while visiting these reserves in another podcast. But I just wanted to let you know, those were the three reserves and the three places that we stayed. Planning this trip, I did not use a travel agent and there's nothing wrong with using a travel agent. Matter of fact, if you have the option to use one, go for it. It would make your life a lot easier. You could also hire a guide. I know my friend, you know, Jerry from Wild Eye Safaris, like you can hire someone like that and he could put the whole trip together because I'm going to be honest, 
it can get incredibly confusing, especially if you are visiting a foreign country like South Africa and you have to worry about transfers. And that includes flight transfers, road transfers. You have to think of all the travel logistics. So that is a warning that it can get overwhelming. So what I did was I tried to keep everything organized. I had a folder. I printed out everything, including our itinerary. I had a calendar that I could write on to make sure that we had booked road transfers to make sure that we had the flights and remind you, like you can't just, I don't know, like book a flight through Delta.com and, you know, book a flight to South Africa and then take a Delta flight to the bush. Like that doesn't work. You have to literally take a complete different airline. And then you also have to take a flight to Mozambique to the beach. So there were just a lot of logistics. So just a little warning, make sure you stay organized because it definitely can get confusing. Now, the great thing about these lodges is that they, a lot of them will provide transfers and you can arrange that. But once again, that is going back and forth with the lodge, sending your itinerary to confirm that you have a pickup. Because honestly, my big fear was like showing up in the middle of the bush, like at one of these little airports and then not having a transfer and not having any contact. So make sure you stay organized. And I'm going to go more into logistics as we like go into our trip and you know what we did, but yeah, that's my, that's my key thing. Stay organized. We decided to go to Mozambique, Valanculos, because honestly, my wife was on Instagram and saw a great account. I believe her account is at Jack Setter Jackie. Or no, not Jack Setter. Oh my God, that's so funny. Um, her account was Jet Setter Jackie, and she had highlighted this beautiful boutique hotel called the Bahia Mar Club in Valanculos, Mozambique. So my wife was scrolling Instagram. She saw Jet Setter Jackie staying at this beautiful hotel right on the Indian Ocean. We clicked Jet Setter Jackie's highlight reel on Instagram of Mozambique, and it just blew me away. Like just the rooms the Bahia Mar had, the beautiful blue water of the Indian Ocean. I mean, I just, I, I, oh my gosh, like just her videos and photos were stunning. But what really sold me is Jet Setter Jackie saw a dugong and I was sold like, okay, I'm sold. This is the place I want to stay at the Bahia Mar Club in Villanculos in Mozambique. And I want to plan a day trip to one of the islands to see a dugong. Now, if you are not familiar with what a dugong is, it is a relative of the manatee. It looks like a manatee. They are different animals, though. There's a few different differences. Like, I won't go into this crazy dugong podcast. But the difference is, is that the dugong is a complete marine mammal. Like, the manatee will go in freshwater. The dugong is strictly marine. They also have a tail fluke like a dolphin, whereas a manatee has more of like a paddle, like a round paddle like tail. The dugong also like its mouth faces down almost more. I want to say like almost more like a sucker fish while the manatees isn't as like pointed down. And that makes sense because the dugongs feed on sea grasses in the ocean. Anyway, sorry, tangent, dugong tangent, but I knew 
I really wanted to see a dugong, and my best chances would be to go to Mozambique. We love Jet Setter Jackie's highlight reel of the Bahia Mar Club, and we decided to stay there and arrange everything through them. So highly recommend them, but that's how we decided to choose where we were, where we were going on a beach vacation. Now, we could have gone to Cape Town in South Africa, which is very popular. A lot of people do the Cape Town and then they go to Kruger for Safari. And you can do the beach in Cape Town, but it's going to be cold. I mean, you can see penguins. You can also swim with great whites. Like I've never been there, so I can't really give too much info, but I wanted to go somewhere warm. I wanted to go somewhere where I can go in the Indian Ocean, where it feels like bath water, where we can snorkel with tropical fish, possibly see dugongs. Like in South Africa, in Cape Town, you're not going to see a dugong there. So that's why we chose the beach. We wanted to go somewhere warmer and that's why we chose Mozambique. But if you wanted to keep it easy and not have to worry about getting visas into Mozambique and just stay in South Africa, go to Cape Town. You can also try to go to the beach on the eastern side of the country. Just a warning though, and this was actually from a South African telling me, it can be incredibly dangerous. So make sure you research the cities you go to because Africa is still dangerous, but you can stay alive and you can thrive, but you have to be smart. You have to make sure you are in the right areas. You have to make sure you aren't walking out at night. You have to make sure you aren't wearing flashy rings. You just have to be a little street smart. So do your research. We decided to go somewhere warmer and I cannot recommend going to Vilanculo staying at Bahia Mar enough. It was great. So once we had decided on where we were going to go, South Africa and Mozambique, we booked our flights. I want to say we booked them months in advance and the flights weren't as expensive as I thought. I want to say we paid $1,200 each, which compared to what I've paid before, like 10 years ago, I want to say I paid $1,900 to almost $2,000 for a flight to Kenya, to East Africa. So the flight really wasn't that bad. It also was a really good flight for us. Leaving Idaho, we flew from Boise to Atlanta, I want to say. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. We flew from Boise to Minneapolis to Atlanta. Not that that really even matters, but whatever. We left Atlanta at night and then woke up basically in Africa, which was so awesome. The flight from Atlanta to Johannesburg, which is where we flew into, was 14 hours and 15 minutes. Once again, we flew in the evening, so we were able to enjoy dinner on the plane. They had movies. I thought it was pretty comfortable. Let's go into the stuff, though, that I would not do again. Flying there... And by the way, we flew on Halloween, which was a fantastic time to fly. You know why? Because we didn't get stuck behind any screaming children. Because if you think about it, people like parents who have kids, they're probably not going to fly on Halloween because, you know, kids like to trick or treat. Now, I think I saw one kid on the flight from Atlanta to Johannesburg, but he was really well behaved. But the odds of sitting behind a screaming baby, um, you know, it's not gonna be as high if you do fly on Halloween. Now I do wanna preference that since it was Halloween, since I am a content creator, I did fly in a lion costume. Okay, I'm just gonna say my wife was mortified and I had had this plan of flying in a lion costume for, I would say months. 
I ordered the costume off Amazon and had planned to fly in this costume. And I'll tell you what, costume was nice and warm, but it was a full on lion costume, not just like a mask, not anything like that, like a full on lion costume. If you haven't seen it, please go check out my social media channels at Corbin Maxi. Go check it out. But I wanted to fly in this costume. She was mortified, but I said, honey, we're never going to see these people again. It's also funny because one, it's Halloween Two, we're going to Africa. Like how cool is that? that I'm flying in a lion costume to Africa. And, you know, honestly, people, the majority of people laughed and smiled and, you know, had a good time. I had people come up to me and say, thank you so much. Like this just made my day. Like, this is so funny. Like we've been looking for you now. I'll tell you what, there were a lot of people giving me really weird glances. There was this elderly lady that looked at me in disgust and shook her head. There were these other people from South Africa that were like really persistent saying like, hey, do not wear that costume in our country. Like, take that off. Like, that is not appropriate. But the majority of people really enjoyed it. And I'll tell you what, it was worth it. You know why it was worth it? My wife filmed me going into the plane. It was great. I chopped up a little video. I put it on YouTube shorts. I put it on Facebook and Instagram reels and on TikTok. And that video of me going on the plane in a lion costume got millions of views. It went viral. So for a content creator, like that's your goal, right? You want to reach as many people. You want to go viral. Like you want this to be seen. And it went viral for me. So would I wear a lion costume again? 125%. Will my wife be mortified again? Of course. Now, a little behind the scenes, I do want to say that like once I got on the plane, once we filmed, the lion costume was so incredibly hot. Like I was sweating profusely. It was, it was actually kind of gross. And my wife started telling me, she said, honey, you really stink. Like you need to take the costume off. Cause these poor people behind you, like they have a four, you know, a 14 hour flight. Like you can't, you, you like can't stink like sweat and BO. And not that I like normally smell like that. I, God, that makes me sound really dirty. Like I shower all the time. I had taken a shower, but it's just, if you've ever worn one of those furry costumes, you just get gross. So I ended up taking the costume off at the beginning of the flight. My t-shirt I wore underneath was completely soaked in sweat. So I literally took my shirt off in the plane and got a new shirt. And I put that costume, I kind of put that costume away in a plastic bag and put it up in the overhead area. So I did not wear it the full flight. I'm sorry if you are disappointed, but honestly, I probably would have woken up soaked in sweat if I would have continued to do that. But once again, super fun. My wife was really happy though, that I did put the costume away and I'm happy. It was, it was uh, so much fun. And we brought the costume back. You'll have to stay tuned, but I did wear that costume in South Africa. Stay tuned for that podcast episode. So let's talk about the things I would not do. Um, so we brought pillows and my wife had brought a blanket and I don't want to say like pillows that we sleep on at home, but like, you know, those, um, I don't know. They're like for, 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 for your neck, like, Oh, hello. Neck pillows. We brought neck pillows. She also brought little blankets. We would not bring those again. The reason why is for international flights on Delta. Anyway, they provide a blanket, they provide a pillow. So that was just extra. That was just extra stuff that we had taken on. This is so embarrassing for me to admit, but I also brought way too many snacks. Like it is ridiculous, but I brought, um, 
I want to say 12 to 15 protein bars. I brought a bag of jerky, cashews, almonds. My mom actually surprised me and brought me and my wife like a Halloween bag full of our favorite candy. I also went to the store and got uh, more candy like those Reese's pumpkin ghost things that they make in Halloween. They're delicious, like the chocolate peanut butter. Oh, it's like to die for. So I bought a big bag of those. I brought like a bag of sour Skittles. Like I brought Sour Patch Kids. I brought so much candy and snacks. I brought chips. Like it's almost embarrassing how much food I brought. And I literally just sat there on the plane and ate so much candy like I was an eight-year-old kid. It was so funny. I also used the candy to barter with the flight attendants. I'm obsessed with club soda and cranberry and lime. It's so good. Well, they didn't have lime because I was sitting in, you know, I wasn't in first class, but I convinced the flight attendant to continue to bring me club soda and I bartered uh, some sour Skittles with her. And so that actually worked, which is really good. My club soda and cranberry. So anyway, went on a candy tangent. I would not bring that much food at all. Matter of fact, they feed you pretty well on international flights. They feed you dinner right away. And then throughout the flight, they have food options where you can get up, go to the back of the plane and they have granola bars. They have chips. They have like cheese. Then after dinner, a few hours later, serve like a turkey sandwich. Like there's so much food. It was almost like disgusting on why I decided to bring so much food of my own. Like it was like, why did I do this? Like I could have saved so much space. So you could have also like gotten dinner in Atlanta before you leave. So I wouldn't bring as many snacks. I wouldn't bring the travel pillows that it would definitely be lighter if we did not do that. Other things I brought that I would not have, that I will not take when I go back to Africa, my planner. I don't know why I was like, oh, I'm going to bring my big planner. Like that was dumb. I did not need to bring a planner. So I would forego that as well. I guess the first thing I should have said, though, is that we packed completely wrong when it came to the type of luggage we brought. So my wife and I just assuming that we were going to be taking small planes like little puddle jumpers to these game reserves, we assumed we could not bring a big bag. So we decided to bring two small like roll on bags, like carry on bags. And then I also brought like a small duffel bag. So we fit two weeks of clothes and other things that we wanted to take, including our two snorkel masks for Mozambique. We fit that all in three bags. Now we also had our backpacks as well, but our rolly bags were packed to the max. Like I should have renamed this podcast episode, like packed to the max. We went to Africa because it was insane. Like they were about to burst. The reason why we brought, like I said, these, the little roll-ons is one, we didn't know like the, the weight limits for these small planes we were taking into the bush. We also wanted to carry our stuff on because we had this fear of losing our luggage when we got to Africa and just that fear of like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen? 
What if our stuff doesn't arrive? It's an international flight. Going forward, though, after doing the trip, when we return to Africa, we are going to bring a couple big bags. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to check them. I am tired of these small roll-on bags, those poor things stuffed to the max. I need to retire them. I'm going to bring a bigger bag. Now, mind you, that bag's not going to be over 50 pounds, but I'm going to bring a larger bag so I'm not so incredibly crammed. When you are packing for Africa, if you do go to South Africa, especially during this time of year, we went in November, early November, which is kind of the start of, I want to say their spring season. It gets a little cooler at night. So things I would have packed probably would have been a beanie. I would have packed maybe, I guess, warmer clothes. I think sometimes people get under the assumption of safari and that it's going to be super hot and it can be hot. And mind you, this all depends on the time of year, but in the mornings, during game drives, which is something I should have known, you know, it would be nice to have like a beanie because sometimes, for instance, when we were out on safari and we got word of an animal, this it just takes me back to the Manuletti when we were with our ranger Al and he is with the Tent Swallow Safari Lodge. And I remember we were in the Manuletti, which was this huge reserve. If we heard of an animal that let's say north of the park, the Manuletti is huge. So we would go pretty fast to try to get to that sighting. And we had to, you know, go fast and, you know, the wind was in our hair and at times it did get a little cold. So I would bring a beanie next time I go to Africa. Another thing I would suggest is bring some type of, you could like, I don't know, like an ointment, like an itch ointment. My wife actually had an encounter with a hairy caterpillar that she did not see in person, but it ended up getting in her clothes and she broke out in rashes for days and she needed serious itch cream. Like, so I was talking to her in preparation of this podcast episode and like, what are the things you would bring? She would bring more itch cream. She only brought like a little bit. So she would bring itch cream, maybe non-drowsy Benadryl. You can bring your Advil, uh, just kind of be prepared. Sunblock is always a big thing. Make sure you have that. This is kind of weird, but I would have brought more mints. I know that is like the weirdest thing, but I like to have fresh breath. And in Africa, they always have coffee and um, high tea. And you're always eating coffee, or not eating coffee, hello. You're always drinking coffee and you're having cookies and biscuits or whatever they feed you. And I remember, I don't know, like the first few days out of my trip, I was out of my icebreaker mints. And I was like, gosh, I really need some gum or some mints because I'm always having coffee. I don't want this coffee breath. So going back to Africa, I'm going to bring several packs of mints and some gum because I want fresh breath in Africa. That's just, I don't know, a little side note. Another thing my wife brought on the plane, which was nice, were those little disposable toothbrushes. Those are always great. I always like to pack a little bit of the Listerine mouthwash as well, because, you know, when you're taking these long flights, you wake up, you feel I don't know, a little groggy and you always want to feel like freshened up and not gross with a morning mouth. So I would suggest doing that. I probably would also take my contacts out if you are a contact user and switch to glasses for such a long flight because I remember waking up and my 
my contacts were glued to my eyeball and the, the solution was like pretty hard to reach. So I just had to kind of go without glasses and had dry contacts, which were kind of irritating. So next time I fly, I'm taking those contacts out. I'm going to wear my glasses and rock those glasses, rock my did I get Sean John glasses? I think so. Rock my Sean Glon, my Sean Glon, my Sean John eyewear. I would definitely do that as well. We also took photos of our passports, our important cards, our credit cards. I don't know if everyone would suggest doing that, but we made sure we had pictures of those cards in case they were lost. We also went ahead to our bank and called, I want to say three or five, uh, four days before we left to get the currency, which is the South African Rand. So we ordered it here in the States. So we were able to already show up and have their currency. Some places do take the US dollar, you know, I don't know, dollar, the US dollar is king there, but I, it was nice showing up and not having to wait in line and do that whole exchange in South Africa. We did not do that at Mozambique. And I kind of wish we would have ordered the Mozambique Medicals because that was just so confusing and kind of put us in a really sticky situation at the local Mozambique market. I'll go into that when I go into the Mozambique podcast, but it was great showing up and already having their currency. But the biggest blessing for just paying for stuff was my visa card. It was great. It did not I was going to say it didn't bounce once, um, I, it, but it didn't get denied once. And the reason why I denied it sounds like I don't have funds on there. The reason why I say that is because I used to always travel with my local bank card. And I'll tell you what, I would like go to New York City and it would bounce on trying to get a cab because my bank would put up their security alerts and like, oh, it's fraud. And it was such a pain in the rear. Um, some places wouldn't accept my type of a bank card. So traveling with a Visa card was amazing. I would highly recommend doing that. You will settle up with at the lodge at the end of your stay. And some of the places will have gratuity sheets regarding how much to tip. Um, we're really big on, you know, tipping, especially if, you know, if, if, if you have a good service, you want to show appreciation. As I mentioned earlier, we also own a wine tour business. And I know that everyone who works a wine tour, being a wine tour guide, like you want to get tipped for the service. So some of the places I remember Tent Swallow Safari Lodge had a guide to how much we were supposed to tip. So that was really helpful as well. We decided to tip in South African rands. Although once again, I sure some of them would appreciate that tipping in US dollar as well, but it was great to have their currency and great to have a guide on how much to tip. You tip at the end of your stay, not during each meal or during each safari drive. You tip at the end, uh, just FYI. Some of the things I would recommend bringing though, and that you should not forget are to make sure you have the converters like for the South African plugs. So make sure you have a converter. Um, my wife had gotten a strip, I think off Amazon that allowed us to charge all of our stuff and that would fit into South African plugs. So make sure you have that. She also got those pre-charged. What are they like? You know, those pre-charged, they're not batteries, but they're like, I don't know. It's like one of those pre-charged thing that you can stick your USB into like one of those chargers that can really quickly charge your phone. She brought a couple of those. That was a lifesaver. That was great. The flight there was not bad at all. We watched one movie. I My wife had never seen Blood Diamond. So I was like, oh, great. We're going to Africa. What a wholesome movie 
to play on our way to Africa. Yeah, it didn't turn out that way because it is a very intense, it's a very gory, sad movie, but it's a good movie. It's with Leonardo DiCaprio. He's so good. So anyway, we watched Blood Diamond. I edited videos as much as I could, um, you know, using my app and then fell asleep. And then the next thing you know, I woke up. It's daytime. We are passing over a desert in Africa. I want to say we were passing over the Kalahari and we were just a few hours away from Johannesburg. So the flight was not bad at all. I slept pretty well. I felt comfortable. Now here's the deal though. We had the middle seat open between us. So that was great. So if uh, I guess a pro tip, if you don't know this already, is if you are traveling as a couple or you and another person, have someone get the window, someone get the aisle, and don't choose the middle seat because more likely than not, if the flight is not full, that plane will leave that middle seat open because no one wants a middle seat. Like no one's going to just randomly choose a middle seat if they don't have to. So thank goodness we had the option to have that middle seat and kind of have everything. I don't know. We had like extra space. So I guess that was great. If I had to sit in the middle on a 14 hour plus flight, I don't know. That would have been a lot different. South Africa is, I want to say, eight hours ahead of us. So definitely, like, you you know, you can feel a little jet lagged. We arrived in Johannesburg at three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, they don't have direct flights that we could find that leave from Johannesburg to the bush or to the the private game reserves in the late afternoon. All of those flights take off usually in the morning, early afternoon. So we had to stay the night in Johannesburg. Johannesburg. I, I mean, I've never really explored the city, but from what we've heard from people who live in Africa and from people we talked to who have been to South Africa, uh, we were told to be very cautious in Johannesburg. It can be dangerous. Uh, you can get robbed. So we decided to not leave and I give my wife like the best kudos in the world. She decided to book us a hotel room at the Intercontinental, which is literally right across the street from the Johannesburg airport. It pretty much connects to the airport. Such a smart idea. You could literally almost see the hotel from baggage claim. Like that's how close it was. And we walked across the street. There we were at the Intercontinental Hotel. If you have to stay the night in Johannesburg and wait for your flight to go to Safari the next morning, I would highly, highly recommend staying at the Intercontinental. We were able to use, I think, our credit card points. So we were able to stay in a pretty cool room. I want to say they like upgraded us to a room with a balcony, which it's not like the balcony had a beautiful view. It was, you know, of the airport, but it still was so cool. The room was nice. Another great thing about the Intercontinental. Gosh, this is sounding like a like a like a promo for the Intercontinental. No, this is not a brand deal at all. But the Intercontinental had a great restaurant called Quills, right? Like porcupine quills. And we had basically made reservations and had a lovely dinner at the Intercontinental at Quills. And it also turns out that Quills is like one of the highest rated restaurants in South Africa, or I, I should say in Johannesburg. So it was great. And I loved it. I ended up getting like a, a carbonara pasta. My wife 
what did, what did my wife get? God, it's been so long. Got like some pumpkin soup. What else? Oh, she got spaghetti bolognese. I also ordered French fries on the side because I'm American and God forbid I, you know, don't have a meal without a potato. I'm from Idaho. So it's like that Idahoan potato in me. But the food was great. Something you are going to notice when you go to South Africa is the hospitality is amazing. It is next level. I have never had a better server in my life or better service in my life um, after going to South Africa. Like we have in here in the States, I'm sorry, like I don't want to pick on us, but our service does not even compare to how great the service is in South Africa. Like everywhere we went was amazing. Everyone was so nice. They were friendly. You really got the sense that they appreciate tourism. They appreciate the business. They know the value of tourists. And our server was so genuinely interested in why we were in South Africa, where we were going to go. It was so interesting to me. Like I was just so into it. I just took note immediately. Like, wow, the service is great. I also told my wife, I was like, Hey, maybe we could ask her to come back to the States and work for our wine tour company. I mean, oh my gosh, she would be a great wine tour guide. That was a joke, but service was top notch. It was next level. We had a lovely meal at Quills and I cannot highly recommend staying at the Intercontinental if you have to catch an early flight. I do also want to say if you are jet lagged, because I mean, you're probably going to be jet lagged. I mean, if you're flying 14 hours, you're going to feel a little weird. Things that help me, and I know this might sound crazy. My wife would disagree, but I enjoy going to the gym even if it's for like 20 minutes, just doing a quick run on the tread, on the treadmill. So I can't even talk, sorry. A quick run on the treadmill or sweating on the elliptical or lifting some weights. Honestly, it will pop you out of jet lag. And they also have an option to go into the pool. I didn't have a chance to do that, but I enjoyed that and it made me feel so much better. Um, exercise really, really does for me. It makes me I don't know, like I feel recharged after I exercise. So that was a huge thing. I would highly recommend doing that. Okay, so I think I talked way too much, but I hope I went over some great information for you if you plan a trip to South Africa or Africa in general. Uh, don't be scared. Well, I guess I should preface this with, it depends on where you go. Cause yes, there are dangerous places in Africa, but there's dangerous places everywhere. There's dangerous places in the States. Like, everywhere. So make sure you do your research, but remember to stay organized. What did I say? Stay organized, do your research. And if you leave anything with this podcast or anything, I want you to know that going to Africa is possible and you should do it. You should plan to do it. Now, I also want to let you know that I cannot wait to go over the next podcast and go over our time, our first time experiencing the Greater Kruger National Park. We head to the Clissary Private Game Reserve and we stay at the beautiful Camp George. I cannot wait to go into that adventure with you and go over our time there, especially if you are interested in going to the Clissary, because I couldn't find much information about the Clissary. So hopefully you'll tune into that. Now, if you're staying with me this long, I do want to ask you to please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss another Animals to the Max podcast episode. I'm back from Africa. Things are slowing down. It's winter time, so I will get more podcasts out there. I promise you. Thank you for hanging on. I appreciate you. And 
If you want to support the show and become a member of our Patreon page, you could do so. All you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max. Now, if you're listening to this saying, okay, Corbin, you haven't been on your podcast for a few months. Like why would I subscribe or why would I support you on Patreon? Totally makes sense. Well, the reason why you should support us on Patreon is because we have hours of bonus podcast content on the Patreon page. I have over 200 episodes of the Animals to the Max podcast. And this last year, I've been doing after shows with all of my guests. And it includes awesome information, great insight. To be honest, the after show is one of my favorite parts of the interview because you kind of get to cut loose. It's like, I don't know, it's like the after party. I don't know, it's kind of more of a relaxed I don't know, podcast interview. Not that I want to say I'm like a rigid podcast interviewer, but you know what I mean? It's like the after show. So check it out. There is so much content for you to consume. I also encourage you to subscribe to my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is just my name, Corbin Maxi. We just hit over 3 million subscribers, which I can't thank you enough. If you are already subscribed to us, thank you. Thank you so much. But check that out because you can follow along. Like this podcast is a great addition to the YouTube videos. So anyway, check that out. You can also follow us on TikTok. Facebook and Instagram. My tag is just at Corbin Maxi. With that said, I will talk to you next time and I encourage you plan that trip to Africa. I do want to say, you know what? If you've listened to me this long, I'm going to tell you, I am hosting a trip to Africa in 2023. That is true. Stay tuned. But if you want to go to Africa, you can go to Africa with me. Stay tuned. 2023. Okay. Listen for the next episode. I can't wait to share my adventures in South Africa. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.